The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. We have a special guest this morning. Dr. Dan Rudd is with us, local physician. Dan, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Good to be back with you. Good to have you with us today. Dan has been such a treasure over the past several years with the coronavirus pandemic and all of the other ins and outs that have popped up over the years. And today we're going to do an update on the coronavirus. We're also going to be looking at some other things that we were not expecting One of those being monkeypox and something that we really did not expect, a return of polio to the United States. I guess some things with time, you sort of think, well, we're immune from that. That, That's that's our past. It's a little scary. It's easy to uh, be shocked at what happens. But I think that, you know, we live in a world that is... Uh, so fluid with movement, um, so many things going on that it's really not surprising that we see the emergence of new and old infections that come back. Uh, I think the, uh, you know, the the COVID situation has uh, changed uh, quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's So many things have evolved with COVID that, to me, that's still one of the most interesting and relevant problems that we face. You know, COVID uh, in our country has, has killed over a million people. That's, that's uh, a lot that, of folks. You know, it's, it's amazing how many have, have died of COVID. You know, many of the people who have died are um, immunocompromised. They have other health problems uh, and are they're just older. Uh, you know, we know the risk factors uh, for covid serious illness and death, uh, and we recognize those really for a couple of years now, how, you know, being, um, as you get older, the risk of death goes up dramatically after 50. I think it steps up at 60, steps up at 70, steps up again at 80, and so that's well known. Um, We know that people who have what are called comorbid conditions uh, obesity, diabetes, cancer, immune deficient diseases are at increased risk. Uh, but the disease itself has changed dramatically. You know, the uh, SARS-CoV-2 variants that have evolved are um, quite different than the what's called the legacy virus or the Wuhan variant that came out initially. And I think that... Uh, when we compare today's COVID uh, disease or SARS-CoV-2 virus, uh, really the predominant virus that we see in our country today is the variant that's called BA5. BA5 is about almost 90% of what exists, uh, not only in America, but in the United Kingdom. Uh, It's a, a very transmissible disease. It is considerably different. There are a lot of mutations that have occurred in the virus since the uh, initial Wuhan virus 
in the beginning at, in late uh, 2019, early uh, 2020. The, uh, uh, and at the same time, as the virus has changed, one of the things that I find interesting is that the incubation period for the COVID, the prevailing COVID variant that is out there has gradually decreased. You know, initially with the uh, initial COVID virus, um, the incubation period was five to seven days. Now with BA5, the incubation period is down to about three and a half days. And you you think, well, so what? Well, what happens is as the virus takes longer to um, or can incubate longer, it allows for more mutations to occur in in the body and spread more mutations. As the incubation period shortens, basically in a shorter period of time, we know we're, not, we're sick, and so we withdraw. We get out of um, work, we get out of school, because we know sooner. And that in itself helps us to limit the spread. I think also in the beginning, we didn't know how much immunity would be uh, developed from infection as opposed to vaccination and now we realize infection is very important in creating immunity so if if you get infected but haven't been vaccinated you do develop immunity now the amount and the quality of that immunity varies person to person we know that vaccination gives us typically better immunity than infection but they both work and in some of the studies that have been done in different age groups, um, immunity seems to be in the range of 95 to 98% in a lot of the areas that have been tested, even though we know vaccination is pretty much stalled at about 67% nationwide, and in Tennessee, about 53%. Um, you know, so with the BA5 that exists today, we know that it's really not as severe. Now, it's probably a combination of a couple of things, the virus itself and the community immunity. You know, we used to call this herd immunity. Um, but And the guess was initially that 70% um, immunity in the community would basically stop the disease. Well, that didn't work. And so now... At the level we are now, it we see more and more reinfections. So there's really not a prevention of infection. It's it is an evolving thing. Has this become more like the common cold? It's just going to be there. Yes, but it still causes deaths. And you know, in the common cold, we don't see very many deaths. And with this, you know, um, in Tennessee now we're we have about oh 14. Uh, to 15 deaths a day right now and that's a lot lower than it was in just at the beginning of the summer uh, we had a very dramatic dip in in cases it was down to you know a handful a day now we're up in the 24 2500 a day range for Tennessee alone and so we're seeing a lot of infections but you know, it's just not translating into the serious disease and death that we were seeing initially. And so 
you know, there's there's a lot going on. How is that comparing to other places in the world? Because a lot of people have traveled. Are they bringing back some of the diseases that are in the other places, or are they all the same? Well, it seems like that, um, well, there are differences, but BA5, the variety that we have now, seems to be where it's going everywhere. Uh, you know, initially, Australia and New Zealand locked down. That They had a zero COVID tolerance. Now they know they have COVID. They can't help it. And it's interesting because South Korea, which has the highest vaccination rate, today also has the highest infection rate. Interesting. And so, but they have a low death rate. So it, it's... All of these concepts are sort of, you know, we're having to learn as we go. It, nobody could have really projected all that would happen. Are you feeling that getting the vaccination reduces our risk of death? I do. I think that, you know, vaccination, It, even though the vaccinations that we have available right now are based on the early um, variety of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, there is a lot of coverage for severity of illness and death against BA5, which is, exists now. Now, we're going to have some new vaccine that will be out in the fall, but even that is directed specifically against BA2, not BA5. And all, this, all these numbers and names and everything can be really confusing. But the really important underlying thing is vaccination helps. Now, if memory serves me correct, if we go back to a couple of years ago, when you first were on the air with us, when the COVID-19 uh, crisis began, you were talking about this vaccination that was being worked on and how it was totally different, a totally different approach to creating a vaccination. Uh, has that worked out successfully? And is it opening the doors to vaccinations for other diseases it is it it's really amazingly effective you know the um, it's it's called the mrna vaccine and so the the theory behind it is that they take a piece of the virus called the spike and basically in, inject it and you develop antibodies against the spike of the virus which is a part of the virus and then your body can fight the infection when and if you get it. And so it's, it's different. You know, a lot of the ways that we had done um, vaccinations previously were uh, with what are called attenuated or diminished function or killed viruses. Uh, that's, you know, that's still being used. It, it works. But this is a new way. It, it's been rapid to produce. It's been very effective. And I think it's it, it, some form of it is here to stay. Do you feel that it was, it was this disease that pushed scientists into trying to develop some way to, to solve this problem, and it maybe opened the door to, uh, to a lot of uh, issues? Oh, it, uh, amazing developments in science have occurred because of this pandemic. There's no doubt. And, you know, the ability to test, the ability to sequence 
a virus, the ability to identify antibodies. And, and one of the most important things regarding immunology and the study of our immune system that has developed is to understand more what the importance of the T-cell function in the body is. We have typically identified immunity by measuring antibodies and antibody levels. That's only one part. And we know now the other part of the immune system, which is the cellular immunity, is incredibly important. T-cells, T-cell function, and we don't have great ways to measure that yet. So a lot of that could be going on protecting us that we simply can't measure except in the outcomes. I heard from some folks who uh, have relatives in Ireland and in Scotland, that area, and they said uh, transportation here and there is, is a quite a bit less expensive nowadays, and they're unable to get the COVID vaccination for their younger children. Uh, but they feel that it's important for their children to get the vaccinations, and they are using those lower airfares to fly to the United States and get the vaccinations. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How important is it to get vaccinated, no matter what your age is? And is one age more important than another? Uh, absolutely, there's a difference. Um, the uh, older you are, really, the more risk you have. You know, we know the vaccines have been approved for younger kids. I'm really conflicted on that because it, it's hard for me to justify giving a vaccine that doesn't have a total approval from the FDA to smaller children. You know, what we've had is basically what's called an EUA, Emergency Use Authorization. Now, that's, that's really good when the death rate's high because we need to get something out there to help people. But as we get things under control and we realize the risk of disease to younger people is very low, I think that that's where parental involvement and uh, parental education is really important. People have to really, you know, um, look at it to see if they want their children to be vaccinated. And I think having a good relationship with your physician and be able to get expert advice from them uh, is important too. Now, as far as uh, older people, is there a, an age that you feel we should, if you're in this age range, that you should get your vaccination? Well, it, the, the boosters have been approved, the second booster has been approved for people over 50. And I think that is because that's where the uh, uh, break is in severity of illness and death as far as risk to people. You know, the risk of getting an infection is, is it's nuanced by the fact that uh, that doesn't mean serious infection and it doesn't mean death. We know that, you know, in the, in the world today, there's probably, we don't know exactly, but in the 85 to 95% chance you have antibodies. Uh, most everybody's been exposed. And we know, especially with the, with the um, uh, BA5 that's circulating now, 
it's incredibly transmissible. Uh, it, you know, it, it's everywhere. And that there is definitely going to be another variant that comes along. But it's interesting because BA5 has held its position and seems to be in charge right now. And we don't have a variant that's, that's coming up that looks like it's going to take over anytime soon. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. When we come back, we'll be in the segment where we'll take your phone calls. If you have any questions dealing with COVID, and we're going to open the door also to monkeypox and polio, which is seeing a comeback into the United States, we'll take those questions too. Dr. Dan Rudd, local physician who's been with us numerous times over the past several years, updating us on the coronavirus. He is our guest today, probably one of the more informed local physicians uh, in this area dealing with these diseases. He's been in on it since the very beginning. Stay with us. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. We got some good neighbors, and we like bragging on them. Nominate a good neighbor every day. Put it in writing on WGNS. WGNS. AM. AM. FM. FM. Online. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's. Come by our store, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're a full-line music instrument store with well over 5,000 square feet packed with great instruments in every category. In guitars, we're your local dealer for the two top acoustic guitar brands in the world, Martin and Taylor. We've got the best selection and prices anywhere in the state of Tennessee on these. This is Dave Kivanemi at Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high around 90 degrees. Northeast winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight's skies become mostly cloudy, low of 68. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Fuchitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 66. Good morning. I still see that delay in Williamson County on 840 westbound just before you get to I-65. Again, it's backed up pretty good due to an accident. THP's out there with it. That's 840 westbound. It's at a crawl just before you get to I-65. Hey, Ripley's is hiring. Uh, Check them out online at ripley's.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. All that's news with Matt Lane. Weekday afternoon. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk.
Welcome back, 615-893-1450. That's not just a number we threw out. That's our phone number. And you can talk or text on that number, 615-893-1450. Dr. Dan Rudd is our guest, and we're talking about uh, all of the things that are concerning us in the health world these days. And those three things are, of course, the coronavirus. Uh, We're talking about monkeypox, and we're talking about the polio virus. Do these three diseases have anything in common other than uh, the fear factor? I mean, uh, medically speaking, are they similar in any way? Or are they just all... No, they're they're really not, Bart. I mean, I think it's, you know, we have diseases that are going on all the time, have been for a millennia or however long people have been here and and will be i mean it's it's just out there and you know one thing that if there is a common thread it's media hype i mean you know it's not related to the viruses there's they're all different so media is is making it yeah. worse yeah. than Let's, it is they want to join it all together with fear well and well, don't be afraid that's <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. Uh, we have a, a listener who's asking in a text, what is monkeypox? They, they don't really understand what that is. Yeah, monkeypox is um, a virus that has basically been with us. Uh, it was identified back in the 1900s in Africa. It's, as the name implies, the genus of the virus is pox. It's a pox virus which is a double-stranded DNA virus that basically uh, is uh, uh, similar to smallpox, which, you know, we've known has been around since uh, really time immemorial. I mean, it's, it's been here for a long time. So how do you get it? Going to a zoo or something with, from no, monkeys? No, no. Monkeypox um, has been endemic in Africa. It's been really in, in two different kind of... Uh, Groups. It's been in Central Africa, in the Congo, and in Western Africa. Uh, the Central African is a little more deadly. It's like a 10%, but they don't have the health care that probably would have really minimized that. The, the um, uh, West African version of it that is now spreading uh, uh, has been there for some time. You know, it was a, it's a viral illness. It starts like a lot of viral illnesses with headache, fever, uh, muscle aches, uh, you know, typical virus. But one of the things that is also um, part of monkeypox is a rash. Now, that rash can be anywhere from one pustule to many. Wherever uh, the skin is contacted with the infected person you know monkeypox is really endemic in um, animals that's that's the the host reservoir and so it has spread to people and now has become endemic in people the current spread of it uh, really comes from uh, earlier this year uh, there were three uh, pretty much homosexual uh, parties in Europe that uh, involved a lot of people. And from those, those three groups, of the, or th- those three events, 
um, there were a lot of infected people, and they all went home to their wherever they were from, and basically it started. It, it's a similar start that we had with HIV. Um, you, you know, monkeypox is not a homosexual virus. It's simply an infectious disease. And, you know, in ha- and to have a, um, I think we've got to keep that in perspective. This is a, is a virus. It's transmitted uh, by behaviors. And nothing out of the air then. Uh, well, you know, there was some debate in Africa. They used to think it might be a respiratory uh, transmission too, but but what we're seeing now is is contact derived. Um, that's all we know. I mean, but the number of cases is going up, and I'm sure we'll see you know anecdotal reports of people getting monkeypox that have had no sex. Uh, it's going to happen. You know, we we do know that it's it's been in in animals, uh, too, and so I mean, it's part of it. But basically, uh, we have um, a lot of evidence to show that people who are vaccinated for smallpox are uh, highly protected from monkeypox. Doesn't now, mean a hundred percent. People at one time or another, most of today's adults anyway, yeah. uh, have had smallpox vaccinations. Right. Are but, those good forever? Well, it, it, you know, it's good because we don't have smallpox anymore. Mm-hmm. So really, there's no risk. But vaccinations tend to uh, wane over time, and as we get older, we have what's called immunologic senescence, which means that our ability to respond and pull out those old antibodies gets lessened as we get older. And a lot of the new, the younger people have never been vaccinated for smallpox because it's, it's not here anymore. We don't do it as much. But also there is now a, a monkeypox vaccine that has been approved. It's, it's a, a virus that's also called varicella and variola. And those, there is one approved vaccine, and there is uh, an approved medication. Now, the mortality rate from monkeypox is is low. We haven't had any deaths in this country from it, but typically it's around three to five percent is what's been reported. But you know, I think with with care that we have available today, it really should be almost zero. I think one of the big things is providers need to think of it when they see risk factors, just like we learned to think about HIV. You know, initially with HIV, we didn't have, we didn't know the name of the virus. We didn't know the structure of it. We didn't have any treatments for it. We just saw the disease progress and it was terrible. Because almost everybody who got HIV in the early 80s died. It was, it was a terrible time. But today, with monkeypox, we're not anywhere near that. We know all about the virus. We know we have vaccine for it. We have medications for it. And we want to be sure providers, you know, when they see patients with it, they don't instantly think, oh, this is uh, herpes. Because it looks like it, or it's uh, gonorrhea, or syphilis, because those things 
uh, can easily be confused with monkeypox. How would the provider know the difference? Testing. They ha- we have to do more testing. And I think that the key is the samples have to be collected based on the lab that the providers use. And they need to, to talk to the lab people, find out how the lab wants the specimen collected, collect it appropriately, and do more testing. We have a text here from a listener who is asking a question about polio. They said uh, they're a baby boomer and they can clearly remember the days when the public pools were closed out of fear of spreading polio. And some of their best friends in school suffered that disease and have suffered the problems of it for years. Uh, Are we seeing a return on that? And if so, what can be done? Let me tell you, uh, today... About 90% of America is vaccinated uh, for polio. Um, That doesn't mean our antibody levels and our immunity are up to snuff. I mean, you can go ahead and get another vaccination anytime. Uh, A little bit about the history of, of vaccinations and how it exists today. The original polio vaccine was that sugar cube. That was basically an attenuated polio virus. Now, what that means is the virus uh, wasn't as potent as the wild-type virus, the kind that was in nature. And so you, we, it was used to put in our body to develop antibodies to, to protect us against polio. Polio is a, is a virus that is uh, transmitted by fecal-oral transmission. Uh, you know, that's a little, people don't want to know that maybe, but it's basically, that's how it's transmitted. It multiplies in the gastrointestinal tract and is excreted in large numbers in the stool. Um, the initial vaccine was attenuated. In the year 2000, we switched in this country to what's called IPV instead of OPV. IPV standed for inactive polio. Okay, so since 2000, the way our, the vaccine works in our body is totally different. We get a shot, not a sugar cube. And the shot basically keeps you from ever getting polio. The oral attenuated vaccine, which most of the world still uses, not America, but most of the world gives you a mild case of polio. Now, that polio virus that comes out of the person that's had the OPV virus can be transmitted to a person who is unvaccinated and cause them to get polio, which is kind of like, well, we knew that early on, but we didn't. that was the best we had. And people who get polio have a very low chance of developing poliomyelitis, which is the paralytic form of the disease. And so maybe one in 2,000 people who get polio actually get paralysis. And the real thing has to, that has to be done is switch the world from OPV to IPV in order to control this. But in the meantime, the key here in this country is just go get a polio booster. It's, it's no big deal.
So it's a shot. how do you get those? Do you get you, it at the drugstore? Just drug go to your provider. Okay, yeah, don't. yeah, and and you know they'll they'll tell you where to go exactly. But basically, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't hurt you to get a a polio booster right now. One of the real problems that is irritating to me is the CDC is controlling the testing materials so that every lab cannot test for polio in um, wastewater, which is a great way to monitor diseases. And we're just appreciating that through COVID is, you know, you the city of Murfreesboro, for instance, cannot do wastewater testing to see if polio is in the community. This is exactly what the CDC did with COVID. And they basically caused a huge problem in this country by trying to control all the testing for COVID initially at the CDC. And now we have tests for COVID at the grocery store. I mean, you can walk in there and buy a COVID test. Well, they are protecting the polio testing materials. They only want to do it themselves. And uh, that's not going to work. I mean, it's not going to work. We have a text from a listener who says that over the years, children they don't think have been vaccinated uh, regularly against polio. Are they the ones that we need to work, uh, be concerned with? Because you mentioned a few minutes ago about we could get a booster if you've already had your polio uh, shot uh, or, or sure cube, whichever one you had, that a booster could work yeah. for you. Well, if you had the shot, then it was really after 2000 which okay. means you're you're fine you know if you were if you were initially treated with the opv the sugar cube then yes i think it's it's a good idea to get a boost to get another polio vaccine the ipv okay so there you have it if you got the sugar cube you it, need the booster yeah it's a good idea to go ahead and get it because we really have no idea how much polio exists in this country because the vast majority of cases have no consequence. We don't even know. Okay. Uh, another text here from a listener who says, uh, I got, I know the uh, sugar cube because uh, it came at, at school. Uh, I have no clue whether or not years later I may have gotten a physical shot. What should I do? Um. I guess it depends on your age, uh, any comorbidities that you have. But anybody who is concerned, I think the easiest thing to do is if you know you were vaccinated before 2000, is just to get the, um, the shot, the IPV. Okay. So there you have it, straight from Dr. Dan Rudd. Uh, are you seeing... Uh, is the spread mostly in the New England states, or, or where is it? Oh. No, I mean, there's actually only one case. It's, one case? Yeah, New York. It's in New York. and uh, All of this uproar for one case? Well, they're realizing that there's a lot of it in the wastewater. And so, really, it's trying to dissect it and to figure out, okay, how much is out there? We know that for one case of paralytic poliomyelitis which is what we've got there's thousands of cases that do not cause paralysis so typically it's one in about 2,000 and so we don't know how much how many cases are out there I mean we just don't know there's no rash with polio I mean you there you know you don't grow horns or anything so there's no way to spot it and say oh you have polio 
you know, polio only rarely causes paralysis. And you mentioned it's in the water. Well, the the virus is detected by PCR test in the water because it is a uh, gastrointestinal virus. So it goes through your system, out in the stool, down the toilet, into the sewer system. And they use the wastewater to test with PCR for the virus particles. And really, it's just viral fragments. It's not even the particles. Now, that goes back to the early days when parents used to say, stay out of the public swimming pools. Is it well, public pools? Well, I mean, it's, it's a seasonal virus. It tends to spike more in the summer. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's the way that it did. But people got polio all the time because it's basically a fecal oral transmission. And so, you know, there was the thought that it was in the pool. But probably what it was was, you know, kids aren't the cleanest people. <laughs> and so, you know, things get in the pool that might not should be there. So do you get it also in larger bodies of water? Creeks, rivers, It's ocean? unlikely. I mean, you've got to have a certain inoculum, the size of the dose of virus to get an infection. And, you know, if water is flowing, then it's unlikely you could get it there. Okay, so your word to the wise now, if you're concerned, ask your provider about uh, a vaccination. I, I, but I think the concern should not be exaggerated. I think it's a low, low risk. Okay, so stand by while research is yeah. being done. Do not be afraid. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the secret word for yeah. everything we have. We're going to pause again. We'll be back the final segment. Our phone number again, if you have a question. And again, we're focusing today on the coronavirus, monkeypox, and that frightening disease. Fright, but like Dr. Rudd says, do not be afraid. Polio. News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Ascension St. Thomas Heart has been a leader in heart care for over 40 years. As the largest cardiac surgery program in Middle Tennessee, our cardiologists and surgeons are known for their cutting edge and innovative technologies. With over 45 locations across Middle Tennessee and Southern Kentucky, we listen to you and deliver the heart care that's right for you. Making Ascension St. Thomas Heart your first choice for heart care and cardiac emergencies. Find a cardiologist near you at ascension.org slash St. Thomas Heart. The government just passed a law to right their wrong with the toxic water at Camp Lejeune. It's a complicated process. If you or someone you know was diagnosed with cancer or another serious condition due to toxic water exposure called Dudley DeBosier, we understand the urgency. We're filing claims this week to make sure our government follows through with its promise to make this right. Don't get left out. Call Dudley DeBosier and let someone serve you for a change. For more information, visit ddhelps.com. ddhelps.com. 
What's your favorite live event? A rockin' concert? An action-packed game? Or an evening of hilarious stand-up comedy? Whatever it is, enter for a chance to win tickets in the 5-Hour Energy Live Sweepstakes. 5-Hour Energy is giving away $100 StubHub gift cards that you can use for live music, sports, or entertainment. Just buy any 5-Hour Energy product, take a picture of your receipt, and upload it to 5HELive.com. See website for official rules. No purchase necessary to enter or win. What were you doing 25 years ago? Jenny May and Dr. Carl Adams dreamed of a beautiful tree-filled campus for senior citizens. On Friday, September 16th, that dream celebrates 25 years. Come to Adams Place and enjoy games for kids and adults, entertainment and food trucks. It's free Friday, September 16th at Adams Place. 1927 Memorial Boulevard. We've got your local sports fix. Weekdays at 5, it's all sports talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett here on WGNS. Do not be afraid. That's our wash new your phrase. Hands. <laughs> That's our wash your hands. Do not be afraid and wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> Stay away from people and don't breathe. <laughs> Dr. Dan Rudd is our guest this morning. We're trying to take the fear out of the coronavirus, the fear out of monkeypox and polio, all three things which uh, create fear. 615-893-1450. One of the things we have not talked about are some of the uh, medicines that are being used for treatment of the coronavirus, uh, Paxlovid, and uh, you mentioned another one. Uh, yes, Molnupiravir. I'm glad you said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are those doing? Well, I mean, they're a, a big help. Um, you know, the antivirals that we have available today are really direct descendants of the uh, results of research on HIV. Because prior to HIV, we only had basically a cyclovir, which was used for um, herpes virus. And so we had a cyclovir, then HIV came, and now we have a lot of medicines that we can use against viruses. And um, the medicines that we now use predominantly um, for uh, SARS-CoV-2 is um, it, it's Paxlovid, uh, which is what the president has taken, uh, and his wife, and Molnupiravir. Uh, you know, Paxlovid is is helpful. You know, it's been shown to decrease the risk of uh, hospitalization, serious disease, and death. Uh, so has molnupiravir. Molnupiravir is a little less uh, effective than Paxlovid. But Paxlovid also is in the group that's called mutagenic. It changes. It, it can cause some problems with the DNA, if especially for um people of childbearing age women and so but if you're past that you're fine uh you know also with paxlovid there is a tendency for reinfection after you stop it but fortunately our immune systems have seen sars-cov-2 even if we don't think that we've seen it um 
you know, it's everywhere in the world. And the thing about uh, COVID-19 as a disease, there's a large percent of people who get it and are totally asymptomatic. We only know this because we can tell by checking antibody levels. And when you check antibody levels in the world today, of course, it varies with age group, but in one of the studies that I looked at in people that were, I think, 18 to 34, 98% of people had antibodies. That's a lot, considering only, well, in Tennessee, 53% are vaccinated, or, you know, and nationwide, it's about 67%. And, and vaccinations vary also by community to community, and you know other things so uh, there's a lot of uh, immunity out there related to infections we have a text here from a listener who says uh, that they had been told if they had uh, some of these symptoms that look like coronavirus to take some of the -the over-the-counter medications to fight flu increase their water uh, consumption liquid consumption as well as special vitamins. Is that a good working solution? It's not going to hurt you. I mean, and I think rest is important. I think hydration is important. Um, You know, you need to take into account your individual issues, your age, any comorbidities you have uh, to help guide you. Fortunately, now we have easily available testing you can pick up a test at any any store and go home and test we know that the incubation period now is around three and a half days so if uh, you know you can test everybody every day in the family it's it's easy to do Uh, if you are young have no risk factors there's really nothing that medication is going to do to help you you're going to be okay the strain that's out there now that you will get if you get it today is BA5. BA5 is, uh, it's very transmissible, but the vast majority of people need no treatment. One of the things we do know is in the first week of illness, if you really do not want to take a steroid, steroids are contraindicated and so you know i don't know why but still providers will give steroids and that really increases your risk you know the other thing we know is every time you get another case of covid it increases the risk of you getting what's called long covid where you have these prolonged symptoms that can be months or even a year or two or longer out and so long covid is a reason to not want to get COVID just by itself. So again, with about a minute left in our broadcast, the word again is have no fear. Well, I think that that's exactly right, Bart. We cannot be driven by the media and the hype that we get pounded into our brain every second you listen to TV. Um, You know, they want you to be afraid. There's a lot to do. Always... I think it's great to have a, a healthcare provider you can trust that you can talk to. Uh, you need to um, stay knowledgeable, uh, read, be aware, and ha- and have a doctor you can talk to. 
Very good. Dr. Dan Rudd, our guest today. And, and I want to, again, thank you not only for being our guest today, but for the past several years. You have walked us through this fear wall of uh, coronavirus and, and told us, have no fear. I mean, it's the message again today. The message changes slightly because the, the disease is changing. Well, we learn more and more as we go. And I'm sure that, you know, in another year, there'll be a lot of updates. But in fact, it's updates almost every month. But anyway, it's great to be here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Dr. Dan Rudd, our guest this morning. Stay with us. Much more to come. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here on your Good Neighbor Station. Tomorrow, if you're a senior citizen, we have a program that's focused on you.